Welcome to eBible Fellowship's Sunday Bible Study. For broadcast times in your area of these studies, visit our website at www.ebiblefellowship.com. And now it's time to begin our Sunday study with your speaker, Chris McCann. Hello and welcome to eBible Fellowship Sunday Afternoon Bible Study. Today is study number 9 of Daniel chapter 2. And we're going to begin reading in verse 31. Thou, O king, sawest and behold a great image. This great image, whose brightness was excellent, stood before thee, and the form thereof was terrible. This image's head was of fine gold, his breast and his arms of silver, his belly and his thighs of brass, his legs of iron, his feet part of iron and part of clay. Thou sawest till that a stone was cut out without hands, which smote the image upon his feet that were of iron and clay, and brake them to pieces. Then was the iron, the clay, the brass, the silver, and the gold broken to pieces together, and became like the chaff of the summer threshing floors, and the wind carried them away, that no place was found for them, and the stone that smote the image, became a great mountain, and filled the whole earth. This is the dream, and we will tell the interpretation thereof before the king. Thou, O king, art a king of kings, for the God of heaven hath given thee a kingdom, power and strength and glory. And wheresoever the children of men dwell, the beasts of the field and the fowls of the heaven hath he given into thine hand and hath made thee ruler over them all. Thou art this head of gold, and after thee shall arise another kingdom, inferior to thee, and another third kingdom of brass, which shall bear rule over all the earth. And the fourth kingdom shall be strong as iron, for as much as iron breaketh in pieces, and subdueth all things, and as iron that breaketh all these shall it break in pieces and bruise. And whereas thou sawest the feet and toes, part of potter's clay and part of iron, the kingdom shall be divided. But there shall be in it of the strength of the iron, for as much as thou sawest the iron mixed with miry clay. And as the toes of the feet were part of iron and part of clay, so the kingdom shall be partly strong and partly broken." And whereas thou sawest iron mixed with miry clay, they shall mingle themselves with the seed of men, but they shall not cleave one to another, even as iron is not mixed with clay. And in the days of these kings shall the God of heaven set up a kingdom, which shall never be destroyed, and the kingdom shall not be left to other people, but it shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms, and it shall stand forever. For as much as thou sawest that the stone was cut out of the mountain without hands, and that it break in pieces the iron, the brass, the clay, the silver, and the gold, the great God hath made known to the king what shall come to pass hereafter. And the dream is certain, and the interpretation thereof sure. All right, I'll I'll stop reading there. Now, uh, in our last study, we saw that the image that 
King Nebuchadnezzar dreamed and Daniel is interpreting here. The image was of the New Testament churches and congregations. In Revelation chapter 13, we read in verse 14, And deceiveth them that dwell on the earth by the means of those miracles which he had power to do in the sight of the beast, saying to them that dwell on the earth, that they should make an image to the beast which had the wound by a sword and did live. And he had power to give life unto the image of the beast, that the image of the beast should both speak and cause that as many as would not worship the image of the beast should be killed. These three things identify with the corporate church, the New Testament churches and congregations. It had life as the church is a living organism made up of living people, physically alive. And the church has the ability to speak. Every Sunday, the pastor steps into the pulpit and preaches to the congregation. And the churches have the ability to spiritually kill as we we read in John 16 that um, when someone is driven out of the congregations, it it was as though they were killed. And so all these things identify with the church. And Satan, remember, it, it says in Daniel 2, verse 38, the last part of the verse, um, and hath made thee ruler over them all, thou art this head of gold. Satan ruled the churches. The head in the Bible is the leader in the book of Judges. Jephthah asked the question in Judges chapter 11 when they wanted him to do battle with the enemy. It was said in Judges 11 beginning in verse 8, and elders of Gilead said unto Jephthah, Therefore we turn again to thee now, that thou mayest go with us and fight against the children of Ammon, and be our head over all the inhabitants of Gilead. And Jephthah said unto the elders of Gilead, If ye bring me home again to fight against the children of Ammon, and Jehovah deliver them before me, shall I be your head? And the elders of, of Gilead said unto Jephthah, Jehovah be witness between us if we do not so according to thy words. Then Jephthah went with the elders of Gilead, and the people made him head and captain over them. And Jephthah uttered all his words before Jehovah in Mitzvah. And there is other verses that are similar um, for instance, in First Samuel, we read that the king is the head. So the head is the ruler. That's why Christ Jesus was the head of the church, the the corporate church. He was the ruler. He it was the spirit of Christ in the midst of the congregations, and he ruled the congregations. Now. Jesus is also head of the eternal church. He's the head and 
all those that are saved, uh, truly saved, are the body. And the eternal church can never lose its head. But the corporate church can lose its ruler. And when the end of the church age came and the beginning of the Great Tribulation, the Holy Spirit departed out of the midst of the congregations and the church lost its head, its ruler. We read in Mark chapter 6 regarding John the Baptist in verse 28, and brought his head in a charger and gave it to the damsel, and the damsel gave it to her mother, John has just been beheaded. And then in verse 29, And when his disciples heard of it, they came and took up his corpse and laid it in a tomb. And the word, uh, the Greek word translated as corpse is potoma. Uh, Therefore, it's a word that identifies with a headless body. John's head was separated from his body It was given to the damsel, who in turn gave it to her mother. And the disciples came and took up the rest of John's body. That's uh, the corpse, which is called Potoma. Now, the Greek word Potoma is used only five times in the New Testament. Once here, once in Matthew 24... Wheresoever the body is, the eagles are gathered together, the word body, and three times in Revelation chapter 11. In Revelation 11, it says, beginning in verse 7, and when they shall have finished their testimony, that's the two witnesses that are being spoken of, the beast that ascendeth out of the bottomless pit shall make war against them, and shall overcome them and kill them, and their dead bodies, the the underlying Greek is the word potoma, and their dead bodies shall lie in the street of the great city, which spiritually is called Sodom in Egypt, where also our Lord was crucified, and they of the people and kindreds and tongues and nations shall see their dead bodies, same word, three days and a half, and shall not suffer their dead bodies to be put in graves. Three times it's used of the two witnesses. And, and the two witnesses are lying dead in the street. Their, their body is the potoma. It's a headless corpse because it's referring to the condition of the churches. Once the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Christ has departed out, They no longer have a head. The churches and congregations of the world are headless. And that's why they're dead. They have no spirit of God. And yet the beast is the one that overcame them and killed them. Um, The beast of Revelation 13 that has an image made to him. And the beast... That's really in view in Daniel chapter 2, King Nebuchadnezzar in his dream. Um, God has made the ruler over them all 
Thou art this head of gold. So when the church is remade into the image of Satan, who's the beast, he is the head. And that's because he's ruling. And we do know that the Bible tells us that the man of sin, another name for Satan, took his seat in the temple and was showing himself that he was God. And to sit in the Bible points to ruling, ruling like a king. He was ruling and therefore he became the church's head. And so the head is Satan, the body is the professed Christians within the churches and congregations. Now, when we see here in Daniel 2, concerning the rest of the image of the beast, it says in verse 32, the image's head was of fine gold. We already have identified that as a reference to Satan. His breast and his arms of silver, his belly and his thighs of brass, his legs of iron, his feet, part of iron, and part of clay. Five elements are mentioned. Gold, silver, brass, iron, and clay. And all of them come out of the ground. They they come from the earth. And and therefore they are earthy, uh, fleshly. It, it's pointing to the natural-minded people that are professed Christian that populate the world's churches. They are this image that is made to the beast. Well, let's look at some of the items that are mentioned here. In Job 28, we read of iron. Job 28 and the first couple of verses... Surely there is a vein for the silver and a place for gold where they find it. Iron is taken out of the earth and brass is molten out of the stone. And and here the iron is out of the earth, of course, so is the brass. It comes from stone and stone is part of the earth. It It's... Um, indicating someone is of the earth. It's, it's pointing to the natural man who is of this world. Remember what Christ says of those that he saves? I have taken you out of the world. You're not of the world any longer because God has saved us. Or in Jeremiah 6, Jeremiah 6, and beginning in verse 28, they are all grievous revolters. Now here God is speaking of his people, Israel, which uh, in turn spiritually points to members of churches. They are all grievous revolters, walking with slanders. They are brass and iron. They are all corruptors. The bellows are burned. The lead is consumed of the fire. The founder melteth in vain, for the wicked are not plucked away. Reprobate silver shall men call them, because Jehovah hath 
rejected them. In these three verses, we find God referring to rebels, to unsaved people in Israel historically, but again, unsaved people in the church. He calls them brass and iron and reprobate silver. Three of the items that we find uh, listed in Daniel 2 as part of the image. And, and of course, the clay, the potter's clay or miry clay, well, man was made of the dust of the ground. God is the potter, we're the clay. It's a different word. It, it's an Aramaic word for clay, but it's the same idea. Again, mankind. Man is the the clay that comes from the ground and, and God formed. Um, iron comes out of the earth and, and here in Jeremiah 6 the Lord likens um, the unsaved that, that profess his name he likens them to these natural elements that come forth out of the earth now let's just go one other place in Ezekiel 22 Ezekiel 22 beginning in verse 18 Son of man, the house of Israel is to me become dross. All they are brass and tin and iron and lead. In the midst of the furnace, they are even the dross of silver. Therefore, thus saith the Lord Jehovah, because you're all become dross, behold, therefore I will gather you into the midst of Jerusalem as they gather silver and brass and iron and lead and tin into the midst of the furnace to blow the fire upon it, to melt it, so will I gather you in mine anger and in my fury, and I will leave you there and melt you. Yea, I will gather you and blow upon you in the fire of my wrath, and ye shall be melted in the midst thereof, as silver is melted in the midst of the furnace." so shall ye be melted in the midst thereof, and ye shall know that I, Jehovah, have poured out my fury upon you. And again, we see some of the same elements mentioned in the dream. And here in Ezekiel 22, it's used of people that God will gather in the midst of Jerusalem and and the Jews, the professed people of God will come under the wrath of God and be melted is the figure that the Lord is using to emphasize his wrath. All right, let's go back to Daniel 2. Daniel 2, we we see the image's head is of gold, his breast and his arms of silver, his belly and his thighs of brass, um, verse 33, his legs of iron, his feet, part of iron and part of clay. Then in verse 34, thou sawest till that a stone was cut out without hands, which smote the image upon his feet that were of iron and clay and break them to pieces. Now that this is, um, interesting that in the king's dream, he saw this stone that
that was cut out without hands, and it would um, be cut out of a, a mountainside or, or some enormous rock, and yet it was cut out without hands, and this stone then smote the image upon his feet, the feet that were made of iron and, and clay, and break them to pieces. Now, we're, we're helped here in understanding because, uh, well, God tells us in verse 35, towards the end of that verse, and the stone that smote the image became a great mountain and filled the whole earth. And then in the interpretation, you know, it's, it's almost as though Christ spoke a parable in this beginning portion, and then Christ explains the parable. Uh, as we find in the gospel accounts. So since there's explanation for it, there's no sense us not reading it. Uh, concerning this stone, it says in verse 44, And in the days of these kings shall the God of heaven set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed, and the kingdom shall not be left to other people, but it shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms, and it shall stand forever, for as much as thou sawest that the stone was cut out of the mountain without hands, and that it break in pieces the iron, the brass, the clay, the silver, and the gold, the great God has made known to the king what shall come to pass hereafter. And here we have some uh, validation, confirmation, uh, as concerning a spiritual type and figure that we've mentioned before, that mountains in the Bible point to kingdoms. The stone became a great mountain, and then the interpretation is, the God of heaven shall set up a kingdom, and and this kingdom will consume all these other kingdoms. And, and again, we're correct because verse 45 tells us, the stone was cut out of the mountain without hands. And so that stone becomes a mountain which represents the kingdom. And it's the kingdom of God. So we we have that interpretation. But the uh, language of being cut out of the mountain without hands is significant. Let's go to Mark 14. Mark 14, and we'll start to read in verse 57. And there arose certain and bare false witness against him, saying, We heard him say, I will destroy this temple that is made with hands, and within three days I will build another made without hands. Now these these uh, men are false witnesses, but they're, they're saying something that the Bible uh, does say. For example, to understand um, what God means by without hands, first we know that a temple made with hands would indicate it's the work of man because man has his hands, that's what he works with. 
he he fashions, he forms, he builds with his hands, and it is his work. But the temple of God, the spiritual temple, made up of all those that he saves, is a temple made without hands, without the work of man. It's a temple that God builds, that, that God himself makes, that Christ is the architect of and the builder of, and and so it's said to be without hands. Um, let's go to Colossians, Colossians chapter 2, and verse 11 of Colossians 2. In whom also you're circumcised with the circumcision made without hands. Now, this is a synonymous picture because in the Old Testament, God commanded that those Israelites who, who were his people were to be circumcised. And so the act of circumcision was, um, instituted and and faithful Jews were to circumcise their children and be circumcised themselves. And that was done with hands. It was an outward, physical act that there was a work. God commanded it. Men responded. And so it was circumcision of man's own hand. But God also in Deuteronomy spoke of circumcision of the heart which, of course, you can't do physically or you die. But that was language pointing to when a person receives a new born-again soul in salvation. And God performs that circumcision of the heart when he grants the sinner a new resurrected soul. And that is a circumcision made without hands. It's the same thing as building the temple. You build a temple with hands, like Solomon did. Yes, I know they they cut the stones and and fitted and and sized them away from the temple site, but still, it was men with their hands that were doing that work. And they did bring it back to the temple and and put it in place, so no hammer or chisel, or anything would be heard there, pointing to that no work was to be performed on the spiritual temple God was building, and yet, though, it was a temple made with hands. The outward, physical type is something that is made with hands, but it points to the spiritual God's salvation that is not made with man's hands. It's not through the work of man. No man is justified by works. Galatians 2.16 tells us, so not by our hands, but by the faith of Jesus Christ. We're made without hands. The, the spiritual house of God, whose house are we, whose house uh, as a son Christ is set over, that house is not constructed through the work of men. And, and again, we won't get into it, but that means 
that no one can can do the least bit of work and say I accept Christ or I believe. No, that would be your own hands, and and God won't permit that. Another verse that gets into this is in Second Corinthians, chapter five. Second Corinthians five and verse one. And there it says, For we know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle, our earthly house, what is our earthly house? Is it our physical body? Well, yeah, in one sense it could be. But remember what God says in First Peter 4, verse 17. Judgment begins at the house of God. And... And that is a reference to the judgment that begins on the churches at the start of the Great Tribulation, at the point of the end of the church age. God calls the church the house of God. It's the earthly house. As Galatians 4 tells us, there's two Jerusalems. There's Jerusalem above that would be the heavenly house, that would be pointing to the eternal church, and Jerusalem, uh, which, which is, um, on the earth. Jerusalem that, that now is. It's the earthly Jerusalem, or the corporate physical church. It's the church that's Presbyterian and Lutheran and Catholic. And all the other denominations that has its buildings on the street corner, that is Jerusalem, which is now the, the Jerusalem, uh, which is below on the earth. It's the earthly house. And here in Second Corinthians 5, God's going to make a very important statement concerning the two churches. He says, for we know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, we have a building of God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. And we we can know uh, without any question that this statement is referring to the two Jerusalems or the two churches, the earthly and the spiritual or eternal church that is comprised of all the elect. That's the house not made with hands. And the earthly house, it's not said here, but it's implied, which is made with hands. And we can look at that as far as man's works. Why is the corporate church almost... 2 billion or whatever the number is, it's close to 2 billion professed Christians in the world, and almost the entire number are tares. They're, they're unsaved people. How did the church get filled with so many unsaved people? Because the church has developed gospels of works, works gospels, in, in church after church after church, they tell people, here is the work of your hands that you perform that 
brings you into the kingdom of God that saves you or will save you. You must be baptized. You must partake of the Lord's table. You must continue on as a member in good standing. Or in the evangelical churches, you have to believe. Um, even if they talk of election, they still say that it, it works itself out through belief. And if you then believe, uh, if you find that you truly believe in Christ, then that's because you're one of his elect. But it's all work, the work of men's hands. It, it's what has formed the earthly house, the house of tares, the house of professed Christians have all come together and, and, and actually at the same time they're forming the image of the beast at the time of the great tribulation and now into judgment day and they have made their own house. It's, it's a house made by man himself. And that's why it's called an earthly house of this tabernacle. Now, uh, here's, here's evidence that it's referring to the corporate church, for we know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, and the Greek word translated as dissolved is 2647 in Strong's Concordance. It's the same word that um, we read in Mark 14, verse 58. Remember when we read that verse concerning the false witnesses that stood up? And they said in Mark 14, verse 58, We heard him say, I will destroy this temple. The word destroy is the word translated as dissolve. I, I will destroy this temple that is made with hands. And within three days I will build another made without hands. Well, the, the word destroy is the same word. It's also as dissolve. It's also the same word as is found in Matthew 24. The first couple of verses of Matthew 24. And Jesus went out and departed from the temple and his disciples came to him for to show him the buildings of the temple. And Jesus said unto them, See ye not all these things? Verily I say unto you, There shall not be left here one stone upon another that shall not be thrown down. The, the two English words thrown down are a translation of Cataluo, the word translated dissolved in 2 Corinthians 5 verse 1. And uh, we have properly understood Matthew 24 2 to indicate that when God ends the church age, he will completely destroy the corporate church so you cannot have one stone upon another. The, the church age is over. It, there's no uh, wishy-washiness about this in the Bible. It's an absolute declaration from God to his people. There was a church age. The church age 
is now over and will never come back again. And, and of course, therefore, God's people are to avoid the churches like leprosy, like the plague. We, we want nothing to do with it. It is the last place a child of God would ever want to be. And a child of God would not go into and certainly not go there to worship. To The question is, if anyone goes to church, to worship who? You're certainly not going there to worship God because God's Spirit has left and and it was remade in the image of the beast. And even though uh, Satan the beast has been deposed and put down from all rule, yet the church remains in his image after lies, after deceitful teachings. And, and so the, the true believer in no way will, will go into a church. And, and that's what God is saying here. There will not be one stone left upon another that is not dissolved. It's not thrown down. It, it's also, uh, the same Greek word found in Luke 21. Verses 5 and 6, And as some spake of the temple, how it was adorned with goodly stones and gifts, he said, As for these things, which ye behold, the days will come, in the which there shall not be left one stone upon another that shall not be thrown down. So we we have um, this same word in Second Corinthians 5, the word translated as dissolved, used three times in relationship to the temple. In Mark fourteen fifty eight, it's translated destroy, and then Matthew twenty four and Luke twenty one as thrown down. And in each case, it identifies with the destruction or the judgment of the church. That's what it's spiritually pointing to. And, and so the verse really becomes very clear. And let me read it with, with making the substitution. For we know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle were thrown down, we have a building of God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. You see what God is saying? He's talking to the elect, and he's telling them that uh, we know that the earthly house, the corporate body, is not the true church. We we know that that we belong to another city, a, another heavenly body that is eternal. We we belong to the eternal church. And see, this knowledge, this understanding is what uh, sets apart the child of God from the professed Christian. Or it's what did set us apart at the time the Lord made known that the church age was over and that his people were to come out. Well, for for the natural-minded people, they only had membership in 
the earthly body, they, they really know nothing about the eternal. They have no membership or citizenship in the heavenly kingdom. And therefore, the earthly association with the corporate church was everything to them. It, it was as though you were asking them to lose their salvation by coming out of the church. At least that, that was the fear that the leaders of the church uh, operated on and, and pressed on the people. And they truly feared it, just like the Israelites of old feared being put out of the synagogue because that was their only identification with the kingdom of God. But God's elect, on the other hand, belong to a house made without hands, not their own work. It's the, it's, it was through the operation, the, the building of God. God has saved them. God has translated them from darkness into the kingdom of light and, and made them part of the, uh, Jerusalem above. And therefore, they were able to be objective and willing to obey God. Well, whatever the Lord says, we, we may lose our earthly house and we have no more earthly house. It was nice while it lasted for 1955 years. It was nice and a blessing to have a place to go where the Bible was to be lifted up and, and, and so forth. But if our earthly house of this tabernacle were thrown down, and now it has been very well, we still have a building of God. A house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. And, and so it gives us a sense of security, a, a, a strong sense of security. We're, we're not, um, bothered or disturbed or insecure concerning our membership to the earthly church. That's why they can call us heretics and 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 they can um say whatever they want to say and 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 it doesn't bother us in the slightest bit because it is only an earthly house it, and and they're expressing man's judgment and and so those things are like water off the duck's back to the child of god it it it, it's, it doesn't disturb us in the slightest well, let's go back to Daniel 2. Daniel 2. And we see, again in verse 34, Thou sawest till that a stone was cut out without hands. Now the stone becomes a great mountain. The kingdom of God. And, and, and you know, stone singular leads us to think that it's uh, the Lord Jesus Christ. And of course, he's the essence of the kingdom of God. And, and he's the power. He's the glory. He's everything to the kingdom of God. And, and the believers are, uh, only a part of the kingdom because of what Christ has done for us. It's, it's his work of faith that has saved us. And, and, and so, 
Christ is in view by the stone, but so are the believers. Let's remember that Christ is the promised seed, but we are also Abraham's seed in him. And you see that close relationship that we have to the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the stone that becomes a great mountain or a great kingdom. We are the kingdom, and, and therefore we're also part of that stone. Uh, for instance, in John chapter 1, remember what Jesus said to Peter in verse 42, and he brought him to Jesus. And when Jesus beheld him, he said, Thou art Simon, the son of Jonah, thou shalt be called Cephas, which is by interpretation a stone. So believers are also likened to stones. Or in First Peter, First Peter 2, beginning in verse 4, To whom coming as unto a living stone, disallowed indeed of men, but chosen of God, and precious. Ye also as lively, or living, stones, as lively stones are built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. Christ is a living stone. He He's the headstone of the corner, the cornerstone. We are, likewise, living stones. And and so, here, the stone in the first place is referring to Jesus, but also the body of Jesus, the body of Christ, which is the body of believers. And, and it is that stone that's cut out without hands. We become the house of God, a house not made with hands. The house of God is synonymous with the kingdom of God. We are this stone. And notice that the stone smote the image upon his feet that were of iron and clay and break them to pieces. Now, we have already learned that the image is Satan, is the, the head And the rest of the image is the corporate church, that earthly house that God threw down. Yet it remains, it's a physical body, we could say. The corporate church is still around. It was a spiritual throwing down, a spiritual judgment upon them. Yet uh, outwardly, physically, they're still on our street corners. And... And it is that image of the churches, or the, the churches form the image of the beast, that it says the stone made without hands and smote its feet. Well, does the corporate church have anything to do with feet? And yes, because when the church was being used of God, God sent them forth with the gospel. And the Bible tells us, concerning those that go forth with the gospel, that they're likened to the feet of Christ. How beautiful are the feet of them which bring glad tidings of good news. And and so, 
when the stone, the, the kingdom of heaven, Christ and his people, smite the image upon his feet and break the clay and iron to pieces, what's that a picture of? Well, we know that even beginning in the Great Tribulation, uh, uh, before the Great Tribulation concluded, God opened up some ten years before the end of the Great Tribulation the information that the church age had come to an end, that the Spirit of God had departed out of the midst of the churches of the world, and therefore there was no more salvation taking place in the church, in the corporate church. And 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 so the the churches were extremely mad about this. They of course didn't like um being told that that Satan was the man of sin ruling in the congregations, that God's spirit had left them and abandoned them, and that they had no salvation. Not not only uh would there be no salvation going forward, but if they did not come out of the church, it was an indicator they were not truly saved because the saved obey God and God was commanding. It was a very urgent command. Come out, flee, and run to the mountains and depart out of the midst of Jerusalem, we read in Luke 21. And yet they refused to obey, indicating they were not saved, indicating they were tares. And, and, and also the ministry of the church, the feet of the churches now was impacted as, as God's people began to share this information worldwide. It, it, it was not, uh, in a corner. It was broadcast over the electronic medium day after day after day for years. The church age is over. There is no salvation. There is no blessing of God uh, occurring in the church anymore. It's time to get out of the world's churches, no matter what church. We're past the point of arguing my denomination is better or, or this denomination is, is apostate. It doesn't matter whatever denomination. You are to flee and depart out immediately. And this served to shatter, it it destroyed the outreach of the world's churches insofar as they're reaching out to deceive, because they were actually the image of the beast, to deceive God's elect. And, and their evangelism was destroyed. It was completely destroyed by the Lord Jesus Christ and his people. Christ, the word who opened up these things to the understanding of his people, his people declared them. Thus, the stone cut out without hand smote the image, first of all, upon his feet. 
first of all upon his feet that were of iron and clay. It was earthly. It was not of God. The, the They were professed Christians only. People who took upon themselves the name of Christ. God himself did not bestow that name on them through salvation. And, and therefore, uh, they became part of the image of Satan, the image of the beast, and they were broken in pieces, shattered, destroyed. It, it says in verse 35, Then was the iron, the clay, the brass, the silver, and the gold broken to pieces together and became like the chaff of the summer threshing floors, and the wind carried them away, that no place was found for them, and the stone that smote the image became a great mountain and filled the whole earth. Now this gets into, it moves, progresses into the day of judgment. But let's just look at this stone that's cut out without hands that destroys, first of all, the feet of the beast and then the whole image. If we go to Isaiah 41, Isaiah chapter 41, and begin reading in verse 14, where God is speaking to Jacob, his elect. Fear not, thou worm Jacob, and ye men of Israel, I will help thee, saith Jehovah, and thy Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. Behold, I will make thee a new sharp threshing instrument, having teeth, Thou shalt thresh the mountains. And remember, mountains relates to kingdoms. And beat them small. The word here, or the two words, beat small, is a translation of the Hebrew word that's translated uh, as broken to pieces. Actually, again, uh, the Aramaic is used in Daniel but it's it's very close to the Hebrew. It's 1855 and 1854 in Strong's Concordance. And this is, uh, for all intents and purposes, the same word. Thou shalt thresh the mountains and beat them small, or beat to pieces, and shall make the hills as chaff. Thou shalt fan them, and the wind shall carry them away, and the whirlwind shall scatter them. And thou shalt rejoice in Jehovah, and shall glory in the Holy One of Israel. We can see the similarity between these statements and and what we're reading in Daniel 2, 34 and 35. The uh, threshing and, and be, uh, breaking to pieces and becoming like chaff and the wind carrying them away. They're They're very similar in language. So here we have evidence that it is God's elect, the the stone made without hands that is involved in this process. Also in Micah, in Micah chapter 4, it says, uh, beginning in verse 10, be in pain and labor to bring forth, O daughter of Zion, again, in this case, it would be the elect, like a woman in travail, for now thou shalt go forth out of the city, that's a reference to coming out of Jerusalem or the church, and thou shalt dwell in the field, the world, and thou shalt go even to Babylon. 
the taken captive to Babylon. That's where God's people went out into the world. There shalt thou be delivered. There Jehovah shall redeem thee from the hand of thine enemies. Now also many nations are gathered against thee that say, Let her be defiled, and let our eye look upon Zion. But they know not the thoughts of Jehovah, neither understand they his counsel. For he shall gather them as the sheaves into the floor. Arise and thresh, O daughter of Zion, for I will make thine horn iron, and I will make thy hoofs brass, and thou shalt beat in pieces many people, and I will consecrate their gain unto Jehovah, and their substance unto the Lord of the whole earth. And, and again, the daughter of Zion here is God's elect that had gone to Babylon, was delivered there, and that is all the elect became saved out in the world, and then God uses them as a threshing instrument to beaten pieces many people, the inhabitants of the earth. And and it's the inhabitants of the earth that that also uh are part of Satan's kingdom when he he ruled over the nations he ruled over the corporate church that is babylon so we we see in nebuchadnezzar's dream and the interpretation of it that god is letting it be known that the beast will have an end and god's kingdom will reign supreme Thanks for joining us for eBible Fellowship Sunday Bible Study. For more information or to hear additional Bible studies, be sure to visit our website at www.ebiblefellowship.com.